0: And he would just say you know like your daddy he wants you to be safe and so he wants you to choose a life where you 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 choose security over over the adventure and you know if security and the adventure were was the choice if it was a choice between safety and going on the journey then that would be a difficult choice because security is really valuable and the adventure is really valuable. And so I would have to maybe sit in a cave and think about that for a long time. But it's actually not any choice at all because there is no such thing as security. So whether you go on the journey or not, you're fragile and you're not safe and you're gonna die. You're in peril all the time, every day. There's no such thing as safety. There is no safety net. There is no safe place to live. There's millions of ways for me to die today. I'm a very fragile being. Just poke one little hole and all the blood comes out and I die and so that's it's a cheap scam to trade the idea of security for the adventure so you know in other words you're falling so you might as well turn and dive and say we oui. right you might as well just just jump you're free there's no point in trying to uh, in being afraid or uh, you know, thinking that if I, if I don't go on the adventure and I don't go into the cave and face the dragon that I'll be safe here outside the cave but you, you won't so you might as well take the risk you might as well jump you might as well go for that life that you're looking for and I read this article they spoke to all these people that, these old people that were close to death about their regrets in life and not a single one had a single regret about something they did all the regrets were to do with things they didn't do so don't be that person that, that grows old with regrets because you didn't do the things that you needed to do on this earth, right? And uh, you're free, you really are, and, and you you know you can you can do whatever it is that you need to
1: do. Those were the wise words of Wuda, and this is Doug the podcast. Maya Kia Maya Welcome to Dug It, your daily dose of Vitamin D, O, U, N, G To see you through the week Day, life Maybe even a cup of muesli Or a cup of tea And this episode is a very special one with the wise Wuda from Global Tea Hut. And Wuda is a, a Zen monk and tea master, although he doesn't call himself a master, he calls himself a student of the leaf. But he's a great tea teacher and teacher in general. And when I was trying to cut a little piece for the intro for this conversation, I was listening back to the, to the whole conversation and it was all good. <laughs> Every word kind of... Knocks you in the face and is just like a drop of nectar and just a truth bomb. Um, the way he speaks and teaches and the wisdom behind the words and the lineage of it's like this uh, a distilled goodness of years of study of tea, th- you know, thousands of years of study of tea and life and philosophy and Zen, and it just feels like it's condensed and just. Uh, f- let Wuda just lets it flow into this kind, and of, just kind of channels it. It's uh, he's in a really. I could imagine a similar presence in with the Dalai Lama or with someone of that caliber as what it's like to hear and listen to Wuda. You kind of hang on every word. Uh, it's really a profound experience, and, and it was for me and Wuda and a friend of mine, Sam, who's a, a student of Wudas. In Taiwan, they just flew out to New Zealand to do some ceremonies here and teachings, and also in Australia. So, we recorded this conversation after a session um, on at True Food and Yoga, and so it was. I was so lucky to get it because Wuda had been talking, <laughs> he'd been talking nonstop and presenting tea every day for weeks. So, to get him at the end of a long workshop and a long weekend and. And still to hear the passion and the wisdom in his voice, it, it really kind of just shows how great a teacher he is. And um, yeah, I feel very lucky. I first heard about Wuda on the Rich Roll podcast, and I'll include those podcasts in the, in the show notes. He did two with Rich Roll and one with uh, Rich's wife, Shimati uh, it is, or Julie Payette, so I'll include those if you're really interested. You can find out more. And then there's also their Global Tea Hub magazine, all the information on their website. It's just this this database of wonderful knowledge that's all free or donation-based, and you can get teas from there, all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about that at the end, so check that out for sure. And I'm trying to think, is there anything else? I'm hoping to get into some tea myself also. So I've got the the kettles from Sam and some of the rice bowls to serve the this bowl style tea it's really a wonderful thing so going to incorporate tea more into my life and hopefully can share it with with you all so let's sit down for a cup of soon but till then here is Wuda and this is a, a game-changing conversation so a life-changing one and that intro really kind of just gets me so excited for life like squeezing out every drop of life and uh, for those who are new to the podcast it's really a, a podcast around discovering secrets to health and happiness and liberating and enlightening others and and just having that paradigm shift or that conscious shift and Wooter's teachings are something that do that so I hope this uh, really creates a shift in your life it makes you realize how precious it is How wonderful it is and how like in that intro that you should all these illusions and thoughts that hold us back from being free from following our dharma our truth our what we love to do and hopefully loving people on the way so hope you love the conversation too i'm sure it'll be your cup of tea it was for me and hopefully you can have a tea too while you're listening to the wisdom of Wuda only if you're in an appropriate place to have a tea if you're driving flying a plane maybe not bungee jump maybe not a good idea either i don't want to be blamed for tea burns but if you're seated somewhere safe have a tea enjoy here is the wisdom of wood and fly cause it's always-
0: I've done this before, but usually there's like, a, they're like, okay. And then they do some intro and then it starts. So I, didn't, oh, I didn't know we had already even started. so that's I on. usually record the intro <laughs> after. But, um, oh, okay. Yeah. So we can just start here. Yeah. All right. That's great. Um, yeah. So we have a tea center in Taiwan. That's free. We have people that come from all over the world to learn about tea and meditation. And then we also make an effort to travel the world and, and teach tea ceremony and also just uh, have tea ceremonies because not everybody wants to l- learn how to do a tea ceremony. Sometimes people just want to attend one and and uh, kind of rest in that ceremonial space, this meditative space. And uh, we also produce a magazine all about tea that uh, covers tea from like kind of every perspective, everything from the science to the history and folklore to tea teaware to, uh, Tea spiritual cultivation as well
1: wonderful and um i'll include all those links in the show notes too so people can go check out global tea, go- and tea Heart and tea stage and the tea Hut center, yeah. center yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the magazines global global tea hot. global tea hut um right. and i was interested in how you got into teaching or what led you to tea because you mentioned you were a kindergarten teacher before this mm. and how did tea kind of come into your life?
0: Uh, well, tea was around when I, when I was young. I, I've kind of had my eyes in an eastward direction my whole life, um, even when I was a very, very little child. And then I grew up practicing martial arts. Uh, but when you're little, I think your taste buds are strange and sensitive in weird ways. And some of the things that you enjoy uh, later in life, you didn't enjoy when you were a kid. Like, I didn't like broccoli very much as a kid, but it's it's probably my favorite vegetable now. And same with tea. I, I think I found it bitter. I think the old men maybe brewed it strong at that time, too. At least that's my memory. But uh, it kind of came back into my life uh, I mean, when I was around 18. And around the same time, I uh, I studied Asian philosophy in college, and I started getting very heavy into Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist practices, and, and tea was very much... Uh, uh, supportive and conducive and congruent with that kind of lifestyle. So it uh, it became a very quickly became a very good friend and traveled with me everywhere I went. And, and so uh, over time I grew to love it more and more and more and started devoting more time to studying and learning. And like that, it just happened.
1: And then you found a teacher in. Taiwan.
0: Um, I've had three teachers in my life. Uh, so, two are are Buddhist, and one's just tea. Um, and so, um, two of them have passed away. One is still alive. Um, and uh, so, the my first teacher was was Senguenka. He's a very well known, uh, Vipassana master who teaches uh, Vipassana meditation. Mm-hmm. His centers are all over the world, holding. 10 day courses to help people learn Vipassana. So Vipassana was my first practice and I practiced that for a long, long time. Um, And uh, I still have very uh, positive relationship with with that tradition and with Cuenca and and, uh, encourage my students to sit Vipassana courses. And um, I think it's a very wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, But uh, even at the time, even at that time, even though it's a long time ago, you know, Goenkaji had thousands and thousands of students around the world, and I, I guess I had this kind of semi-romanticized, uh, naive, uh, fantasy of like living with a teacher and, and being on a much more intimate level with a teacher, and so, um, I when I was invited to go to Japan and and uh, and learn from a teacher, kind of uh, more personally not so many th- Guenka, when when I lived at Egarpuri which Damagiri is the headquarters of Apajna, he had you know thousands and thousands of students and you could see him like once a month and you know now looking back a lot of my uh, what made me uh, move to to Japan was was naive and you know but I had this idea maybe from kung fu movies or something that this romanticized idea of living with one's teacher and more intimately seeing how they how they walked and how they worked and how they dealt with anger and all the things that, you know, you can't see when your relationship with your teacher is completely formal and kind of distant and you only see them on uh, formal occasions. So, and he was also into tea, uh, Japanese tea. So I went and learned Japanese tea ceremony and, uh, and Zen and, uh, and uh, from him. And then I have my third teacher is a Chinese man and he teaches the Gong Fu tea brewing which is kind of a kind of tea preparation methodology and he's quite wonderful. He's still alive and uh, so I learned from him the, the method of Chinese Gong Fu tea brewing.
1: Um, the, the, I guess a lot of people maybe are looking for a teacher too or mm. have like that inkling and they're kind of wanting some guidance. Do you have any recommendations about, let's say, people are hearing stories from the east or stories read autobiography of a yogi or hear your podcast or hear your voice and your teachings of tea and want to get started somewhere? Was it kind of going to the source of what you're interested in, or do
0: I think that you know this is a very complicated topic and it's, it's uh, like all 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 journeys. It's fraught with peril as well. Um, on the one hand, you know, I on the left hand, I guess you could say that that uh, the need for a teacher and for lineage is very, very important because, you know, if I sat on an island and brewed tea from 4 a.m. until midnight every day for 80 years, I would never figure out what's been taught to me. And so having that connection to all of the work that others have done for hundreds of years and being connected to that and learning to honor the source, because if you take and you don't have a connection to the, to the source and lineage and honoring and honoring that if you're not in a state of respect and humility you're kind of you've created a ceiling for yourself you can't really grow all that much because you're you're it's a big part of it. in, in the bible it also says right those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those that humble themselves will be exalted so you know those if you put yourself up you, life just knocks you down and if you put if you humble yourself, then life lifts you up, yeah. So there's that on one hand, but then on the other hand, you know, Western people, especially, we can have sometimes a tendency to uh, want to want to have a teacher do something for us. So fix me, kind of attitude, you know, come come fix me. And I certainly, I'm just a dude from Ohio, and I can't do anything for anyone. I'm struggling to maintain my own sanity and. And to, work, and to work and walk my own path. I certainly can't uh, help you walk yours other than to provide you with the instruments and tools that were given to me and then hand them down to you again so that you can take them and, and go and uh, you know build your own house. And So I can teach you how to use the tools and I can maybe give you some of the tools even. I can loan them to you or something. You could use that metaphor. But I can't build your house for you. You have to do that. And so... You know, the Buddha's last words before he passed away, they said to him, Lord, what will we do now? And his last words were, be a lamp unto yourself. So you are your own light, and you have to steer your own journey. Um, So there's a curious balance between these two things, you know, the need for uh, respect, and and a lot of that's been lost. We've lost a lot of traditions because we we don't honor and respect the source. And when you do that, it taints taints the, the practice as well. When I learn something that changes my life from you, Doug, and then I don't honor Doug, then the thing that I've taken from you is also tainted by my disrespect for you, right? So the thing that I've taken from you now will not have as great of an impact on my life as it poss- as it could, if I don't honor the source where it came from. And not just you. Let's say you learned that thing from someone, and they learned it from someone, and so I have to kind of honor that whole lineage. It's not about any of the individuals. And but when you do that, when you humble yourself, you let you know, in the Tao Te Ching it says the ocean is the most powerful force in the universe because it puts itself beneath everything else, so all flows into it. And in Sanskrit, you may or may not know this, do, do you know the word for wisdom in Sanskrit? It's prajna. And pra means before, and nya is knowledge. So in Zen we often interpret this as the, the beginner's mind. That which is before knowledge, the beginner's mind is a beautiful, beautiful state my teacher used to always say that the only Zen masters are those who have died. The rest of us, we are students of Zen. And uh, I, I, I can't always control the way that people promote me. You, as you become a public figure, people there's a lot of people that want to put you on a pedestal mm. and there's a lot of other people that want to knock you off. Um, both of those approaches are kind of pointless. And uh, I certainly can't control the way that some events or descriptions of me are, are are put forth, but I certainly would never st- also speak of myself in that way. I'm always telling my students, you can call me a team master after I'm dead. Until then, my card says on it, student of the leaf. I'm a student and, and I also have a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, even as in the role, and that word role is very important, even in the role of teacher, Because teacher is not what I am, it's a role that I play. And even in that role, you know, any teacher worth their salt, they are a good teacher only if they were a good student, only if they are a good student actually. Because if I wasn't a great student, then I wouldn't have learned things that I now have to teach. I have things to teach because because I learned, right? Because I learned. Because I was a good student, because I practiced and and learned and grew, I reached a state where I could then teach. And that actually doesn't stop. You know, even actually, if you think about it on a kind of meta level, teaching itself is an art. And so teaching itself has to be learned, right? I'm, I'm a much better teacher now than I was five years ago. I get better at it all the time because I'm practicing it. And I'm making mistakes and and so essentially even teaching itself is something that I'm getting better at and learning and so I'm a student of teaching let alone you know also being a student of the content that I'm teaching right the things that I'm talking about whether it's tea or meditation so learning is you know it's being a student and being a teacher you know it's, they go together and and so you know you won't find a good teacher that wasn't a good student and doesn't continue to be a good student and uh, yeah so I think you know that's just more the the danger is more when we create and demand for you know holy men or whatever that means you know and uh, and then there's of course where there's a demand there's a supply and some of those people that show up into that role do so for what we might for the sake of this conversation called negative reasons, selfish reasons. They want respect or money or whatever. And others do it for good reasons. They think they can do good for others. But I think that whole system is, is a problematic. I think that it's, you know, I think that creating a system where you think that off, being an authentic teacher is one who's like holy and perfect it's not right an authentic teacher is really one who's a human like you who makes mistakes like you who falls like you i'm as flawed and broken as you are and i would much rather have a teacher like that i'd rather as opposed to just someone telling me i've transcended all anger and then i say how and they say through my own godliness or something like that that's useless to me it doesn't help me at all Uh, and i would rather have a teacher that says look i've got anger just like you and here are some of the tools I use to deal with it, which I can very mm-hmm. truthfully say that very statement to you right now, Doug. I have anger problems just like you do, and here are some of the tools that I use to deal with it, and that would be another conversation, but that would be my approach, would be to, to say, look, this is, you know, I'm as human as you are. I, have, I deal with the same issues you do. Here are some of the tools that I use to try to manage and navigate those issues and live with more grace and compassion and... and uh, presence in my life so I think an authentic teacher is, is one who's not trying to be something just trying to be who they are um, and, and be human and, and I make a strong effort to do that and to after I got Inca which is like transmission from my teacher in Japan he uh, you know the first lesson he gave me was the, every student that comes to you the first thing you do is show them your humanity So make sure they know and you know if they're looking for a savior or someone to put on a pedestal then they'll go elsewhere and uh, if they're if they're really want to learn then they'll just accept me for me and they won't expect me to be something that I'm not they'll just love me the way that I am and that's that's kind of my approach to that whole situation as a teacher anyway for better or worse that's that's kind of my approach and I try to um, make sure that that's there. You know, sometimes people come to an event or something and, and they're inspired by what I say and they they come up and comment about, you know, who they think I am. But that's just like somebody walking by your house and they, like, glance through the curtains and see one little part of one little room and they say, like, Oh, your house is so clean, so perfect. And you just, what do you say? You just look at them and are like, what? I mean, it might look that way through that little crack in that one little curtain, but I live in this house, and and I know where the dirt is, and, and I live in this body, and I live in this life, and I know where all the dirt is in my mind. I know me, and I'm not any of those things. Uh, there's a hymn that I like a lot from, a like gospel hymn, you know, I grew up in the kind of Bible belt, so there's a gospel hymn that you know a lot of people probably heard because it was popularized by Bob Marley, part of it anyway. But one of the lyrics of the song that I, f- I find inspiring is is this train is bound to glory, this train carries no one holy. So certainly this train, this Buddha train is bound to glory, but this train carries no one holy, just sinners on this train. If you if you want it in that language, yeah.
1: That's beautiful. And what's the is there have you got one thing that challenges you the most with being in, doing what you do now? Or you mean, you mean personally yeah I mean I d- I deal with
0: probably all the challenges that you deal with I mean mm-hmm. the human my my Zen teacher used to say if you go around from house to house and look into the toilets there's not too many varieties of poop <laughs> so it doesn't come in you know the the stuff that what he meant by that he was making a, a kind of Zen very blunt analogy and what he was just meant was like human stuff our our, our obstacles our challenges they don't come in too many varieties right it's if you sit someone in front of you with problems it's like you know it's, it's family stuff or romantic stuff or guilt or self-shame or anger or greed or lust i mean it's, it's these varieties right and and so i deal with all of them to some extent some more than others some for certain periods of my life and others for less you know and the, the, the this whole topic actually if you we have a saying in Zen, those who say they know me do me disservice. Because right? if you meet Wuda on a day when I'm peaceful, then you write a story about Wuda, the peaceful fellow. And if you meet me on a day I'm angry, then you write a story about Wuda, the angry fellow. But I'm neither of those things. And when you write a story about me, you're, not, you're caging me. You know, And I'm not going to allow you to do that. I am free to become the person that I want to be. I am free to be free. I'm free to change any aspect of my mind or my body. I'm free to not be so fat and maybe exercise more. I'm free to, uh, you know, whatever negative habit pattern flows through me whether it's uh, anger or greed or lust or any of the other uh, delusions that that come up in in me, I'm free to transcend those. And so those are just energies and habits that come to me and that, you know, are a result of my karmas and, and some of the negative choices that i've made in my life and also they come from just the fact that you know all of us we get a little bit bent and dinged up and scratched along the way don't we Mm. life just can life can 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 scratch us can ding us can dent us as we move through it so i think you know there's kind of two ways that we get into our kind of brokenness one is just that sometimes life itself just bangs us up and then the other one is is when we ourselves make negative choices and those choices have consequences because our our choices make up our experiences and then our experiences make up our our personality and then our character and so we just you know, we we, we get scratched and we forget. And so we gotta we gotta sometimes unwind some of that. And I'm working on it the same way you are. So I pass through I passed through negative patterns of this or that, but it's all that stuff. It's all greed or lust or anger. Anger is an issue for me. That's the kind of things that's, you know, handed down. I get frustrated. I get frustrated sometimes, even as a teacher. I have a a strong capacity for transformation. So I I can... I've always, my whole life, been kind of... uh, very easy to to transform to, sh- to shift things to grow and then sometimes when you when you when you do have the capacity to to change faster you get impatient when other people don't change as fast as you want them to like you can see that that person that student has the capacity to overcome this issue but you're impatient for it to happen now so you can move on to the next level but then also you're you, you know, that's not good teaching skills either because you're not giving that person the space to go through their process the way that they want to, right? And that's the thing. Even if a teacher, you know, even if I've realized over time that even if I could do something for you, even if I did have that power, and let's make it clear, I do not have that power. I think if that power was possible, the Buddha and Jesus and these other great saints would have given it to everybody, and this would be a very different world. So it's not possible to really give it away but even if I could, and even if they could, I could understand why they wouldn't because now I kind of more deeply understand that if I, if I gave it to you, it would rob you of your process. And that process is important. It's not the same experience to climb the mountain as it is to take a helicopter to the top. It's a very different journey. And you should, you know, And taking that journey is very important. The helicopter is not worth it. It's just, there's so much to learn on the way up and then there's so much to learn on the way down and you can't learn any of that when you take the, the cheap ride up you know so so I, I that's, that's you know if you want one of my there's the expose <laughs> of, of a pattern that, that that passes through me and I'm working on it it's not me and I'm free to transcend it and I'm free to not be that pattern and I'm free to not associate with that pattern and, uh, and I'm also free to not allow others to associate that pattern with me no matter what story they tell about Wuda, the guy that got frustrated or the guy that always gets frustrated or whatever other ego story they want to write about me or shadow story, I'm not that story and uh, I'm free to overcome that and any other habit that arises in me eventually, especially if I use the tools that are available to me and, and practice and, and that one in particular is definitely, you know, it's it, uh, decreasing. As I obviously gain insight and clarity into the issue and realize that, you know, being frustrated with others because you want them to go through their process faster only really slows their process down, <laughs> right? So you get then you just begin to realize that you're shooting yourself in the foot or you're shooting them in the foot or whatever, and you start kind of just letting people go at their own pace, mm-hmm. right? But that's the thing that I think all teachers face. When I was, I did, I taught kindergarten before I was a monk and I uh, I had that even then. Like you, you know this child can do better. Like you know that this isn't an issue of like their capacity because everybody has a different capacity. But you know it's not an issue of capacity. You know they could they could learn this material quicker than they are, and then you get frustrated because they're not doing their homework because they're not trying, right? But but that frustration just gets in the way and makes makes you a worse teacher, right? So you gotta kind of learn to to step back and i guess not care as much to, to not care too much where you kind of become the parent who doesn't let her kids she's afraid they're gonna hurt themselves or she doesn't let them play enough and and then they don't get knocked around and they don't like learn the lessons that they need to so i feel unfortunate in that regard i grew up in a place where we like grew up in the country and we were out running around and falling down and coming back with bruises every day it was a different time too it was like 1970s no helmets or elbow pads right just just broken bones and scrapes and
1: bruises there's a lot of people who have one issue in there or many like you say is there any piece of advice that you've had that helps you realize that's not you or that's something you can work through or it's um because I, I guess that labeling of, you know, I'm an angry person or I'm a late person uh-huh. or I'm a... Um, That's right. Can be quite like... In catered. Zen,
0: yeah. In Zen we have five no-nos and this is one of the no-nos is no negative limiting storylines. So you got to you got to cut it out. You got to stop telling stories about other people that limit them that are negative. Like this person's an angry person and then you limit them and cage them and you make a painting of them and kind of freeze them in that anger. And the ego loves stories that start with always and never. Like, you're always lying, or you're always angry, or you're always... You never do the dishes, right? And and the, the always and never are never true, right? Actually, that person is not lying 24 hours a day. They're not angry 24 hours a day either, right? But when you're in that egoic charge, when you're charged by your ego, like, it seems that that's true. When you look at someone and you're like, you're always angry, right? But actually, they're not. Always and never. So those words are triggers, like those are signs you know that you're charged by your ego right you just have to kind of i mean meditation is, is a big key uh, my teacher used to say the more zazen you do the more clearly you see how terrible of a person you are <laughs> so so you kind of you know i think you 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 when you look within and you you realize you know what not enough people are questioning or even even asking the question right is you know the the delusion of thought and emotion And you have to be able to see through that that delusion and to not enough, if you don't meditate enough or maybe you don't calm down enough, you don't see that you aren't even asking the question where the end of the, the the, the delusive thoughts are so all-encompassing that you don't see the other side of them and there's no clarity and you're kind of lost underwater in your own thoughts and emotions. And um, sometimes we're conditioned to think that all the thoughts and emotions that are arising in us are important. But they're not. If you actually just let go, they just rise up and then they pass away and then they're gone. And that's the same with like anger or whatever it is. Like it rises up and then it passes away. And it only stays if you invest in it, if you if you feed it, right? So um, and then you suffer, right? So that's also a second part of the equation. Is you know when I'm frustrated or when I'm greedy or when i'm selfish i suffer and so the more you experience that the less you want that pain and so you you kind of learn to learn in that way i mean uh, the good news is that like negative habit patterns don't take as much energy to unwind as they took to make that's the that's the good news so that's the, have you heard the good news? That's the good news. That's, it doesn't take as much, it's, it takes a lot of energy to hold a rope all twisted up real tight. It doesn't take as much energy to let go and let it unwind, right? So moments of t- clarity, of awakened mind, of presence, moments where you're peaceful and centered and you're, you're, you're resting in wisdom and clarity. Those are very powerful moments and little moments of that can overcome lots of wound upness, lots of tension lots of stuff that you've been carrying so that's the good news Mm -hmm. that you can overcome habits with with the power of of that clarity and that's really what it's about it's not it's not so much um, it's not so much a a battle or a fight or maybe even a like the end of things as it is just a shift in perspective when you begin to see with clarity then, you know, it's like turning on the lights. The shadows just leave on automatically when the lights are on. When you can see clearly, then the the things that uh, consume you don't anymore. And they're, they lose their power. I think that's what they meant in the old kind of... In the old school, you remember how, like, they talked about exercising a demon was about learning its name. So you know the name of the demon in, like, in the kind of european folk tales right you know the name of the demon you can exercise it i think that's a metaphor for that right when you understand and you see clearly the the nature of what's of the energy within you when you see it for what it is then it loses power this is why a lot of you know buddhist temples you'll see the demons are like guardians they're guardians outside the temple because the buddha um, converted them you know so it's not so much about destroying them as it is just about Um, converting them they become you know i think some demons you 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 when you stop feeding them they leave other ones like they kind of convert and become they they work in service of you and then i think other things other so-called demons once you look at them properly they become cute little imps that are just a part of like the uniqueness of you and they they are just they're not. They what? Maybe you thought they were harmful, but they're not. They're just cute little uh, winged things that kind of flit around and are your friend.
1: What the other? you said there's five qualities of Zen. The
0: five no-nos.
1: Five no-nos. What? Five what, no-nos. what are the other? Can you sum up the other no-nos quickly at all? Uh,
0: <laughs> the first no-no is no internal conversation. You have to you have to achieve mastery over the mind. That incessant chatter that's going on in your head of... Just past, future, fantasies, nonsense. That chatter, titter chatter that's going on. That stream of words that's just flowing in images. That's flowing through you. You have to get some space from that. You'll never master anything if you can't focus your mind. No matter what it is. Anything. Yoga, tea, uh, driving. <laughs> anything. You have to learn to be able to get over that. so And that conversation, if you really... Uh, watch yourself and pay attention to yourself that that conversation if you're lost in it if you don't have space from it it's not your friend it'll drag you under and take you away from where you want to be you lose presence when you're when you're lost in that stream you lose uh, compassion you become closed and selfish and constricted and consumed by the small dramas of your jail yard of personal acquaintances and friends and the small little theater on which your life plays out instead of seeing the big picture so you gotta you gotta learn to cultivate a some distance and space from that not necessarily to stop it but to always be able to take some breaths and and have some space between you and it so that you don't fall into it every time right so you don't always just slip and fall and then your head's under the water of that current right Um, we often forget that our ancestors got us to this point where we have technology to do podcasts with computers and microphones and stuff because they were incredibly focused they focused, they focused on science. They focused on learning. The names of every star. They focused on understanding the natural world. They focused, and and it's a shame that people are losing that ability to focus because that's important. So that's the first no-no. The second, it's uh, no frozen, rigid opinions. Opinions about what you think the way things are, or worse, opinions about what you think happened. I was there, and it happened like this. You said X. Actually, you know, no, probably that person didn't even say what you think they said. And your perspective of what happened was just one of many. It's like the old Indian story of the nine men who are arguing over what an elephant is, the f- nine blind men, because they all have different parts of the elephant in their hands. So one says it's like a trunk, and one says it's like a brush because he has the tail, and one says it's like a tube because he has the trunk. So, you know, we only ever... Kind of experience one part of things we don't for example experience the other person's side do you see what i mean mm-hmm. so frozen rigid opinions about the way you think they things are they're toxic because they they prevent you from seeing more clearly and they, then you walk around with like green glasses on arguing with everyone because you think the world's green but it's because you're stuck in your opinion right? so having opinions or doctrines about the way things are doctrines could come from teachings doctrine doctrines can also come from your experience so if again if I you know if I experience Doug in a certain way then I have a doctrine about him and then when I show up I just automatically interpret his behavior in that way even though it, that's not what happened you see and then third we already said no negative limiting storylines don't limit yourself you're a free being you can be anything you want to be the fourth is no comfort orientation so you know, we're always trying to find some way to be more comfortable, right? And it's just not possible. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but you, you will not find some corner of this world to go be happy in. It's not possible. You know why? Your heart won't let you. Because in order to go find some corner of the world to sit and just be selfish and happy. You have to cover your ears and you have to cover your eyes to all the suffering of all the other beings on this planet. And you have to pretend like you don't care. But your heart won't let you do that. There's people in pain right now. There's animals dying all over the world. There's people dying all over the world. There's a lot of pain in life. That doesn't mean it's all dismal and dreary. I didn't say discomfort orientation. I said no comfort orientation. So I'm not proposing nor is the teachings of Zen proposing masochism. So I'm not saying, you know, orient towards discomfort, choose discomfort. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the pursuit of comfort is a meaningless pursuit, and it will always, it will never end, right? You can't be comfortable. So um, another way to look at that is to say, instead of seeking comfort, be comfortable with whatever is, and then you'll find real comfort when you're just comfortable with whatever is whatever comes this is my practice whatever is this is my experience this is my life it won't be otherwise once it's happened it's there and you just gotta face it and so that's another way of maybe looking at that one and the final ones we say no big deal me so this is the positive one the first four are kind of abstentions this one's a something you cultivate it's cultivating this you know at first that might seem scary that you're no big deal that this whole gal our whole galaxy is one of millions and our solar system is a teeny 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 little speck of dust in our galaxy and our planets a teeny speck of dust in that solar system and you and I we're just blips little bubbles passing on the river about to pop and uh, Gary Snyder has a real pretty poem I can't recite it word for word, it, but it's something like you know just as the insects are to us so are we to the trees as the trees are to the mountains as the mountains are to the stars. So the way that little insects move around you, that's the way the te- trees that live thousands of years would experience you, and those trees that come and go in thousands of years, the mountains would experience them in that way too. So, you know, this whole thing's very old and very big, and and it might might seem scary that all your drama doesn't mean anything, that it's that in the end it's it's, it's really silly and and small, but uh, it's actually quite liberating, right? As 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 cheesy as it sounds. The, there's a Hollywood movie came out recently Doctor Strange is a Marvel movie did you see that anyway uh, we, we, we saw it and uh, you know mostly it was just a comic book movie and everything that you'd expect about a comic book movie is just like mind candy waste of time kind of but there was this one it was trying to be like eastern and spiritual uh, but just essentially flirting with the topic but uh, there was this one line in there that I loved a lot the the master was played by Tilda Swanson she came in Her ghost was kind of standing on this balcony And she said to him Your arrogance and fear Have your whole life prevented you From understanding the most important thing in life Which is that it's not about you And uh, that really resonated with me That my arrogance and fear Have prevented me my whole life through From experiencing the most important part of life Which is that it's not about me that's what the no big deal of me is. Cultivation of that kind of energy, understanding that 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 uh, it's not about me.
1: And your meditation or tea practice or what does that look like for you um, in terms of like a daily routine? Is there one style of tea and meditation you like to? Practice all one that you like to offer people. Uh, I, I know I did the bowl tea yesterday, which was yes. really neat. Um, yeah, we, we practice
0: five brewing methods in, in our center, in our tradition. And um, I practice all five throughout the week. So um, uh, daily. And I meditate every morning and evening. Um, the meditation that I practice is called Shinkantaza. It means just sitting. Um I try to actually practice Shinkan in all my affairs. Shinkans means like just doing. So when you're making tea, that's all you're doing is making tea. When you're chopping vegetables, you're only chopping vegetables. And not chopping vegetables while you look at your phone or think about what you're you're going to do tomorrow. You just chop vegetables when it's time to chop vegetables. And you just, you know, it's harder than than it sounds. It's very hard to live a life that way, but that's kind of my practice. That's the kind of Zen that I practice is Shinkan. But as far as tea, we, we, you know, our center is not explicitly or overtly a Buddhist center, though there are Buddhist practices happening there and there's even altars, but um, we're more of a tea center and focus more on that because tea is much more non-sectarian and, and I'm, f- I'm very happy to ha- hand on the tea brewing techniques that were handed on to me to anyone, to, you know, Christian, Sufi, Muslim, doesn't matter is just tea it's not it's not you know if we talk about Zen Buddhism you may agree with my views or disagree you might like some of those no-no's or you may find that some of those no-no's don't uh, accord with your experience and wisdom and that's okay um, I would stick with your experience and wisdom over whatever I have to say that's for sure and then the Buddha said as much you know the two measures he said of, of wisdom is number one that it's in concordance with the teachings of the wise and number two that it's in concordance with your own experience So it's very important that it be in concordance with your own experience on this earth. So but you know, as long as we talk about Zen Buddhism, there'll be people that agree and disagree. But tea is much more simple. It connects us all. It's just you can't disagree with a bowl of tea. You could say you don't want any, but you can't say you don't believe in it or you disagree with it or that doesn't accord with your experience because there is no it's nonverbal. So this is for me a much purer vehicle for communicating what I want to say to people. So tea is my way of expressing my Zen and communicating my Zen to others and uh, I'm very fortunate in that I have an instrument that allows me to communicate my Zen non-verbally so there's no chance of disagreement right you can't disagree with a bowl of tea (laughs) it's just a bowl of tea it's not a bowl of tea that I'm trying to attach some philosophy to though I do philosophize but I always say you know whatever I have to say about tea that's not the same as tea itself and If if you agree with everything I say about tea, that's okay. Uh, Just drink the tea, and 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 you know that's the magic. You can tea will fit into whatever views you have. So, you know I got some members of my family that are really Christian, and they love tea ceremony, and they even feel like the aspects of it concord with their with their own understanding and views. And we have a Sufi brother that comes to the center once a year, and he feels you know, that the wisdom of tea is is extremely concordant with the teachings of Sufi. And so on. You know, people drink tea the world over and it suits all that. It's hospitality, it's kindness, it's love and uh, so I focus much more on my life on that. Because I wanna find ways of connecting people, not separating them, of getting together, of of all the all the things that we can all agree upon. Yeah. The Native Americans had this really powerful way when they were holding councils where they knew people were gonna Disagree or have different views on things where they would start by trying making an effort to bring their minds into a place of agreement They would even say now our minds are one and and they would talk first So they would spend a few minutes talking about things that everybody can agree upon that We're all grateful for the water and we want clean water that we're all grateful for the Sun that That grows the plants then gives us energy that we're all grateful for the plants that feed us and uh, grateful for the animals And grateful for having, you know, a home. And all the things that we're grateful for that everybody the world over agrees we all want. We all want this to be a clean, green earth for our descendants. We all want peace. We all want uh, friendship and harmony. And so if we rest in all those things that we agree upon, even if we're going to discuss our different views, if we start with that, then there's a much better chance that that dialogue and conversation will be much more healthy and uh, less destructive and so I feel tea also can accomplish that some bowls of tea in silence and we all reach a kind of a state of agreement we're all kind of in that same moment together and experiencing that same ceremony together and drinking that tea into our bodies together and then you know whatever we're going to talk about whether it's Zen or Sufi or just life or our views on politics or whatever it is we're going to be able to do it in a much more healthy way uh, since we've shared some kind of uh, communion space you could say
1: mm. is there you talked about yesterday the nouns versus the verbs and the east versus the west just in terms of language and um is there any particular thing you, th- you think in the west that um we can incorporate more from the east is it that the objectifying of experiences and people and Uh, consumerism um,
0: Mm.
1: having experienced both sides of the coin
0: Um, well that that particular reference to the verbs and stuff was from Native American languages but as far as the east I think definitely um, you know western people and western culture I mean stereotypically this is hard to say because especially now with globalization you know there's not such a distinctness between east and west as there once was the things of the east are now in the west, and the things of the west are now in the east. So um, that that line's just not there anymore. Uh, but if you're speaking of like traditional cultures, traditionally Western culture tends to be overt, um, and Eastern culture tends to be introverted. And so I think a balance of those two is great. And when you, you know, when you're always focused on what's outside of you, and you don't have enough time to introvert, introvert to find the peace within um you know life can become frantic and um if you're too introverted also you can lose touch with things can't you and lose touch with compassion and the need for for compassionate works right so um i think a balance of those is good but i don't think that has much to do anymore with the east and west i think because the globalization has kind of broken all that down and and uh there's a lot of Western stuff in Asia, and there's a lot of Asian stuff in in Western cultures too. So, um, but um, you know, there's a I've always just a, I just I've always I've spent half my life in Asia now, and I'm comfortable quite comfortable with where I live. I love Taiwan. It's uh, it's my home. It's maybe the first home I've ever known. Maybe the second, um, but. I think where I grew up I was always stargazing and imagining other places and traveling and now it certainly feels like when I go come to places like New Zealand like here and tomorrow actually I'm flying home and it certainly feels like home and uh, and I, I love my home. I love Taiwan. I love everything about the island. I love the people. I love the place where I live. I love the center. I love... Uh, I just I you know we could speak for days about all the things I love about Taiwan but, um, it's my home, mm. and I'll I'll be buried there.
1: And it oh on that note, it, you had the two. Um, what would you say? Requests of your younger self if you're on your deathbed, which uh. I thought were interesting yesterday. Uh. Um, like the Brit just comprehending the brevity of life yeah um
0: that's kind of the no big deal me yeah 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 lighten up and, <laughs> and live more be free you know one of my heroes in my whole life joseph campbell used to always say follow your bliss he's such a powerful uh mentor i never met him personally but I, I read everything he wrote many many times when i was in college and listened to all his talks and in particular i like he taught at sarah lawrence university and uh, that was an all woman's school Back in the day, in the '50s, and he used to give the, valid- the graduation speech sometimes. Uh, and he uh, he would tell those young women, you know, that uh, that you know maybe daddy or your mom or you know this. The message that he gave to them was for all of us. It's not just for women. It's just it was rel- relative to the 1950s, and, and women weren't as free as they should be. I don't think they they are as free as they should be even now. But less so, even then, you know. And so he was talking to them. But what he was saying was poignant, just as poignant to me or to anyone. And he would just say, you know, like your daddy, he wants you to be safe, and so he wants you to choose a life where you, you, you choose security over over the adventure. And you know, if security and the adventure were was the choice, if it was a choice between safety and going on the journey, then. That would be a difficult choice because security is really valuable and the adventure is really valuable and so i would have to maybe sit in a cave and think about that for a long time but it's actually not any choice at all because there is no such thing as security so whether you go on the journey or not you're fragile and you're not safe and you're going to die you're in peril all the time every day there's no such thing as safety there is no safety net there is no safe place to live there's millions of ways for me to die today i'm a very fragile being just poke one little hole and all the blood comes out and I die, and so that's it's a cheap scam to trade the idea of security for the adventure. So, you know, in other words, you're falling, so you might as well turn and dive and say we, right? You might as well just just jump. You're free. There's no point in trying to uh, in being afraid or. Uh, you know, thinking that if I if I don't go on the adventure and I don't go into the cave and face the dragon, that I'll be safe here outside the cave. But you you won't. So you might as well take the risk. You might as well jump. You might as well go for that life that you're looking for. And I read this article. They spoke to all these people that these old people that were close to death about their regrets in life, and not a single one had a single regret about something they did. All the regrets were to do with things they didn't do. So don't be that person that that grows old with regrets because you didn't do the things that you needed to do on this earth, right? And uh, you're free, you really are, and you you know you can you can do whatever it is that you need to do. So when you think that way, it just it just un gets you unstuck from from patterns again, like I talked about earlier, right? Actually, what helps us get out of negative patterns is just seeing properly seeing with clarity when you see with clarity decisions you know the 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 power that those delusions had over you is gone so it's, you don't have to like really work yourself you don't have to do a bunch of work to come out of delusion once you see through delusion you see it properly for what it is it no longer has power over you right the way that the cares and concerns that you had when you were in the 6th grade or 7th grade when you were worrying about a test or about a girl right where are those cares and concerns now they're petty and small and you've forgotten them long ago and they didn't really matter did they so once you see with a little bit of clarity you know like if a child runs into your room at night and says ah there's a carrot monster in my in my closet right the fear is real you can see the fear their body's shaking Right? There's terror in their eyes. Their pupils are dilated. The fear itself is real. But the cause isn't. And sometimes if you can show them that there is no carrot monster in the closet, that it was just a coat. Right? That what you thought was a snake was just a rope. And when you see that clearly, the fear goes away, doesn't it? So in the same way, when we see, it, when we see it through delusion, when we see that delusion is delusion, and we see that it... Uh, that it is delusion it no longer has power over us it just loses its grip just in the act of clear vision yeah so that's actually what the word vipassana means is the teachings of the buddha vipassana is clear vision clear insight insight into you know once you once you see the water and you can see inside and you can see the way things are then you're not so um, motivated or manipulated by all the delusive thoughts and emotions that arise in you
1: mm. and I find the, the tea certainly helps in that process of clarity, is there any for people who are maybe coffee addicts or, or have an English breakfast or <laughs> a few lavender leaves or, or mint leaves in a cup and they kind of want to actually find out what tea's about, is there uh-huh. a, a quick summary or yeah, I mean, tea. Such a thing of what actually a tea practices.
0: There's there is a tremendous thirst the world over for ceremony and ritual. We all need that in our lives so much as a part of being human. And as we've abandoned all those practices, we've kind of lost our way. And uh, when when you bring a practice back into your life of some kind of ritual and ceremony each day, uh, the, the effect of that is profound. And then when you add on to that the medicinal qualities of this leaf and its power to awaken us and calm us down when it, especially when the tea's grown properly without agrochemicals and in a sustainable way grown by people who love those plants and respect them and give them the freedom to have healthy bodies because if the tea plant itself is not healthy then of course the drinking of it won't be healthy and that's the same for any food or anything like that yeah so when all that comes together and you get tea that's grown with respect and then prepared with reverence and ceremony then uh tea tea is very very transformative as to learning more, um, you know we have a center in Taiwan, and people come from all over the world, and all the room and board and teachings and tea are free. And so all the listeners, you're all invited. That's a real great way to learn more. And um, we also have a beautiful project, Global Tea Hut. It's a magazine and a tea that comes to your house every month, and you can subscribe. And it's nonprofit. All the proceeds support our free center. And um, all the issues of Global Tea Hut are on our website for free, so you don't even have to join. You can go read now. We also have tons of videos, hundreds of them. On various uh, tea ceremonies and aspects of tea ceremony and um, and tea itself, so that's a good place to learn. Our website has a tremendous amount of content, um, more than sixty issues of Global Tea App Plus hundreds of videos.
1: Awesome. Um, I better let you. <laughs> you got a lot of a lot to do in the last day, so I'll start to wrap it up. Um, but do check out that site, and you can. The magazines are amazing. I've got a couple from Sam, and the, the teas are something else as well, and you get to learn how to brew them, and it's, it's a wonderful gift. But I think Sam said it's the best piece of mail you'll probably get. get. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> nowadays people month. only
0: get bills, right? Yeah. So to get some tea. It's also very much community. So, you know, we're Global tea's in in more than 40 countries around the world, and it's people that all are very like-minded. And you can, you know, there's events happening everywhere, and those people are staying with each other and meeting each other and, and having tea ceremonies. Even right now, as we're talking, there's probably a Global tea Arts ceremony happening somewhere in the world. So, um, it's, uh, you know, welcome to be a part of this community, everyone, no matter what your world views are, we're all just people who love tea. That's what we that's what we have it yeah we have an app coming out for mm-hmm. global t app members to connect to each other it's coming out real soon cool
1: yeah i'll have to share that and uh a <coughs> couple of quick, quick have you got a favorite you mentioned broccoli is your favorite fruit or veggie that kind yeah, of yeah broccoli i like broccoli broccoli yeah,
0: yeah and
1: um any any particular meal do you prepare that the rice dish you made uh, was a bit of a favorite too you said What's the rice dish you made here last time? Uh, I, like, the uh, I like
0: I um, like uh, yeah congee.
1: Congee.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like uh, rice gruel. It's just rice with more water. Yeah. I like congee a lot. I like um, you know in our center we're mostly vegan, yeah. so we I, I like I like really to eat simple. Um, I like I like mostly for lunch we have kind of like bowls like that are often served in vegan restaurants. yeah. so we have like a a little bit of uh, grain like rice or quinoa and then a little bit of raw food salads and then a little bit of pickled foods that I, I love fermented foods we ferment a lot in our center we have kombucha fermented tea we have sauerkraut we have kimchi we have pickled ginger and pickles we we do a lot of fermentation so every meal includes some fermented food and then usually some sprouts too and then you know some kind of protein like tofu or tempeh and uh, I like that kind of bowl like that when you feel you know wholesome and and everything all the colors are there and all the flavors so you got the sour and the pickled stuff you got maybe a little spice and one of the vegetables and you got the raw food and you got the grain i like when foods really balanced that way and has all the five flavors and all the five colors and all the five um, elements inside of it and so those are the kind of meals that that we try to prepare in our center and I, that's that's my favorite kind of
1: food and and you're traveling a lot. Is there anything you, you'd like to take with you? I know you talk about like taking food on the airplanes, or is there anything uh, oh, yeah, you kind I, of can't leave the house without? Or no, but certain? I do.
0: I try to take food on the airplane. I don't eat airplane food. <laughs> uh, and uh, what I take in the airplane just depends on where I am. You know. Yeah. I like to take. Uh, sometimes I take rice cakes. I like rice cakes, and uh, seaweed, sometimes, and um, roasted sweet potatoes. So. I like to take roasted pe- sweet potatoes. My student, Tien, she, she travels a lot. She taught me how to do that. <laughs> Let's take rice, just Roasted sweet potatoes are good because they're filling and they're small. Mm-hmm. So they fit in your pack and you can just have a roasted sweet potato and it's really nice. So like roast some sweet potatoes with uh, rosemary in an oven with a little bit of salt on them. You can even just put them, you know, put them in whatever, in a in a cardboard box or a Tupperware that you can keep. And then uh, they fit in your backpack and you just ask the flight attendants for a fork and... You're good to go,
1: uh, and it's very food. filling too. Yeah. So you eat a
0: little bit, of, little, eat a little box of, sweet, of roasted sweet potatoes, and it's delicious and also filling. Do that's wish- that's what I brought on the way here. I had sweet potatoes and potatoes, roasted with salt and rosemary, and a little bit of olive oil. And It was in a in a tupperware. On the way home tomorrow, I'm taking bananas and rice cakes. <laughs> so, that and and I got some almonds, and some dried cherries. So I'll, that's what'll be my food on the way home
1: and do you travel with tea always yeah I got yeah, tea you yeah, yeah. always carry tea with you sure mm. yeah and uh, favorite b- uh, books movies any recommendations books there?
0: Um, I love a lot of books mm. so many I um, you know I, I don't know I, I like I like Eckhart Tolle. I like the, the New Earth that's a real quick, really great book um yeah, I don't know. I, Zen wise, I like Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind is a good kind of modern book. I read I read a lot of Zen, you know Zen or Buddhist sutras, so I study a lot of that. Um, and uh, those are some of the books that I guess that I would just pop into my head. I don't know though. I lo- I love to read. I love a lot of books. Um, recently, I read a really good book called The Hidden Life of Trees. It's pretty good. It's about a German uh, biologist and arborealist who kind of cared for a forest there for for a few decades. And it's his observations and some of the scientific research, modern scientific research that's happened to do with trees in the last 10 years. Uh, And then also his observations in caring for a forest for so many years about trees and uh, just a lot of amazing, amazing um, science that's being uncovered about, about the way trees live. And I found that to be incredibly inspiring. It's a very down to earth book, but the implications of a lot of these studies are very profound also.
1: Mm. So yeah. And any any films? You, you seem like a bit of a film. I like films. As well. Yeah, <laughs> I like movies. Yeah,
0: um, my, I like Terrence Malick He's my favorite director. I like I like the uh, Tree of Life, and uh, New World. Some of the some of those movies I, I, I like that kind of art 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 film as art as opposed to like the one I mentioned earlier the Dr. Strange, like that film as entertaining mind candy doesn't uh, satisfy me as much as film when it's uh, you know when it's artistic film and it has something to express and share and there's soul kind of in it and you know film can be amazing you can you can really change your life so
1: let tea yeah oh that's thank you so much Wuda I might uh, um, oh, I wonder if I've got any Battery on here. I might see if I uh, do I record one little uh, quote at the end? Sure, and um, like if there's one kind of piece of advice or message that might help people be healthy and happier or the world healthy and happier going forward, is there anything you kind of comes to mind?
0: No, no, well, one thing we like to say is that uh. Nature is always talking to us and tea helps us understand what she's saying.
1: Wonderful. Oh thanks, brother. Thank you so yeah. much for your teachings and your time. Um and uh, look forward to sharing it and have you back to New Zealand soon and checking out the center and make sure if you're listening to this, check out the, the site in the magazine and uh hopefully get some more people drinking tea.
0: Yeah, thank you. Be happy. Beautiful. Awesome.
1: You heard it from the guy. Be happy. Or don't. It's uh, your life. Wow, what a conversation. Hope you dug it. That was a real treat. If I didn't sound so enthusiastic in the conversation, it's um, I was trying to be really mindful of Wuda's time and maybe overly polite and quiet and timid because he'd, he'd been teaching and speaking all day. And it's interesting how it affect my kind of confidence or full expression but sitting there with him I feel like he sees straight through everything through every story I'm I'm creating in my head through every question which I already know the answer through it's just like this mirror it reminds me an autobiography of a yogi and how he met his teacher and and a teacher kind of really holds you accountable and I feel like word has got such a great sense of humor and his teachings are so wonderful and he's so human, but he also he does it feels like he does what's best to make you a stronger, better person. Um, not just to be a to be a friend and say the nice things. You know, he just tells the truth and and sees everything so clearly. So that was a real I'm gonna have to listen to it again myself. And if you really enjoyed it, hopefully someone else will too. So share it, write a review. Um, throw it out to the world, take someone out for a cup of tea, check out Global Tea Heart, go stay in Taiwan, I'll see you there. That's uh, going on the to-do list for sure this year and just the practice of meditation and being around those people, I think an immersive experience like that would be just a life changer and I know everyone that went to their tea ceremonies when they were in New Zealand just loved it. Um, So hopefully they'll be back soon and Sam has assistant who i mentioned he's still around so uh keep an eye out on the instagram on the facebook dug it and even subscribe to my mailing list which we're going to set up your daily dose of vitamin d coming into that mailbox coming in hot like tea uh that's gonna be your way to find out when i'm doing these extra events and i've got some uh, nice little maybe a new studio space in the pipeline up north as well so keep that on the quiet but not really because I just posted on the podcast but think less experience more have a cup of tea thank you so much for listening in and I'll be back soon with some more insights on happiness and health in life and a little shout out to Franco Hickey playing the background track he's going to play us out Kiamaya or Courage, is the song Franco recently played for Narko and the Medicine People too. It was a great concert in Auckland, so check out those two guys and their band members' amazing music to go along with your terrific tea. See what I did there? tea (laughs) Uh, Think less, experience more, drink more tea, and sing along to Franco. Hickey.